Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. Uh, my name is Steve Norman, and it's my great privilege to have as our guest today, Jenny Moeller. She is an emotional support program manager and family resource specialist at the New Day Foundation for Families. She's also a grief consultant and a professional mom. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So Jenny, for those of us who might not be aware of titles like Emotional Support Program Manager and Family Resource Specialist, or don't have any idea what New Day is, could you just give us a, a thumbnail sketch of, of who you are and what you do in that capacity? Absolutely. So New Day is an amazing nonprofit organization that serves all families in the state of Michigan who are impacted by cancer. And I have the honor and privilege in talking to families about financial needs, um, we do grocery support, and then I was brought on specifically to develop our emotional support program, where I am the bridge between our families who need help processing what they've been through and connecting them to therapists in their area. So how did you come across New Day? God's timing, <laughs> seriously. So I had just started my grief consulting business called New Normal and Gina Spain, who's the founder of New Day, it gets very confusing, but she had come to the church where my family and I attend and had spoken about her journey through cancer and widowhood. And I knew right after the service that I had to go meet her, I was incredibly intimidated and my mom had to essentially push me over to her to talk with her. And we grabbed coffee within two weeks to talk about how a grief consultant like myself could support the families that, that she's seeing come through New Day. And so that's how we connected. She looked at me across the table and said, I'm going to hire you within a year. And by golly, she kept her word. <laughs> so Jenny, what is it about your story that makes you uniquely equipped to do this work? Yeah, um, my late husband, Aaron, was diagnosed with cancer in 2011, but even before that, he was originally diagnosed with pediatric cancer in uh, 1992 as a second grader, and he survived that against all odds, and I had the honor of meeting him in college, and he shared with me that he was a cancer survivor and would probably you know, need a kidney transplant and all these things. And so if I wanted to step away from the relationship, I could. And I looked at him and said, if you're trying to break up with me, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so um, after that, we got married. We had our first son in January of 2011. And my husband had had some back pain. We finally pushed hard enough to get the scans that he needed to identify that he had cancer. Um, that was in June of 2011. And then January of 2013, he passed away. Um, so then I was 28 with a two-year-old and widowed. Um, so from there, I, you know, just, I had a heart for widows, especially those who were younger, like myself with kids that they were trying to navigate their child's grief on top of their own grief. And I just had them over for dinner and we would do play dates and kind of normalize it. And then from there, just being able to have the opportunity through New Day to talk more and more with our caregiving spouses, our surviving spouses, talking with them about how to talk to their kids about cancer and, and move forward from that. Who are the people who came alongside you in the early stages of grief? 
Well, my parents, definitely. They have been an incredible rock for me. When we were grieving through our cancer journey, it was definitely our church. My husband and I moved to Pittsburgh right out of school so that I could pursue graduate school. And we had no family in Pittsburgh at all. And it's a funny story because it was neither of our first choice <laughs> to go to Pittsburgh. Don't tell them that. Uh, <laughs> but of the other schools that I was accepted to, there were negatives of both. And we both wanted to serve each other. So instead of just saying what our top choices were, we both conceded thinking that Pittsburgh was the other person's first choice. So that's how we ended up in Pittsburgh. But God works in such beautiful ways because like I said, in 2011, he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I graduated with my master's in 2009. He graduated with his master's in 2010. And then here we were, a, a family experiencing cancer. Well, the type of cancer he had was sarcoma. And the top-ranked sarcoma clinic in the U.S. was 15 minutes from our townhouse where we lived in Pittsburgh. So, you know, it just is wild the way that the Lord works. And for the people who came alongside you, what what did they do? What did they do well? What what did they do right? Yeah, our church family jumped right in. They had people coming and making sure, you know, every every Sunday they were making sure we were okay. How are you guys doing? Do you need food? Do you need support? Um, our small group just constantly was praying over us. Anytime he had surgery, our church set up a 24-hour prayer vigil. So when I'm up at three in the morning, terrified of what's coming the next day, there was someone that was praying for me. Mm -hmm. And it was such a beautiful example of stepping in the gap and, you know, lifting us up. It wasn't all on us to pray through this. It wasn't all on us to figure this out as a newly married couple and new parents, but that we had people coming alongside us. When he got really progressed in his disease, I had a toddler at home. So if my husband had pain crisis and we had to go to the ER, well, my 18 month old was coming to the ER <laughs> and I always kept, you know, snacks and toys in our diaper bag, just in that instance that we had to go. And it got to the point where friends of mine realized that I was calling like 10 different people on our way to the hospital to figure out who could come and meet me at the ER to take Ben home. And so they set up a, a call tree. So if I needed anything, there were two people I called and then they called people from there to come and step in. We had people when he was home on hospice come and give us haircuts in our house <laughs> so that we could still do those normal things. Um, my parents moved in with us. They cleaned our house. I mean, it was just wonderful. In my grief journey, after we moved back to Michigan, I um, went to a program called Grief Share at, at Kensington. And there was this really lively woman, very big personality, loved talking to people. Her name is Karen Rohner. <laughs> so she is just wonderful and walked alongside me from that moment because I started in that program two weeks after he passed away, which is really, really soon. Um, but I needed that. I needed to make sure that I was processing my grief and not stuffing it. Because as a mom, especially of littles, you're just like, okay, I'll deal with that later. <laughs> we got to do breakfast or he needs something. So it was great to have Karen walking alongside and saying like, 
hey, how are you doing with this aspect? What are you struggling with? Here's some ideas to process that. And and what and Karen had walked that path as well, correct? Yeah, she did. Yep. She was, I want to say she is almost 10 years ahead of me. Okay. okay. In that journey. And then how long, Jenny, between when you lost your husband and when you started help kind of paying it forward the way that Karen had done for you? What was that road like? Yeah. Um, I am not super patient when it comes to like moving things along. Uh, I can be really patient till I want it done. So uh, another thing that I did as part of my healing was to do a race series in the year that Aaron passed away. So he passed away January of 2013. And by March of 2013, I had organized a race series on, you know, a non-profit or non-taxable bank account or something for people to make donations in Aaron's name. And then I had lined up 13 families or organizations to run for. So each race was dedicated to a particular family or organization. And my goal was to like have $20 essentially donated by my parents for each, each person. Uh, and I ended up raising $13,000 total um, for these families. And they were anywhere from uh, a little guy in Texas who had a brain tumor. And we were able to send hundreds of dollars down there to help with medical bills, provide a date night for the parents. Um, we also supported another family that looked a lot like mine, where the husband was on hospice was not doing well. And I ran his race and I think he passed away about two weeks after, Mm -hmm. but being able to send that money to help with funeral expenses or groceries or whatever the family needed. And there were people who told me I was literally running away from my grief, but it was so therapeutic for me to take my grief and get it outside of my body and to Mm -hmm. do something productive with it. I didn't want to just go run miles for myself, it Mm -hmm. needed to also benefit others. So to answer your question, kind of right out the (laughs) get-go, I was already talking with families that that looked a lot like what I had gone through. Um, But specifically working with widows, as I said, I just had them in my home. I would have dinner with them or meet them for coffee while my son was at preschool. Uh, And then more formally, I started New Normal in 2019 uh, right before the pandemic hit. <laughs> and so, you know, it was a very, again, God's timing. You had people grieving who had lost a spouse or a fiance or a parent who are now isolated. They're stuck away from their support system. So I felt like God's timing was just really beautiful bringing me in. Talk about some of the, to the extent that you can talk about some of your work with clients. All of us have friends or family members whose lives are being ravaged by cancer, what every situation is different, but what are, what are some general principles that you've learned along the way as a consultant and as an emotional support expert to help people? Like what tools would you offer to people who want to be gracious and kind and helpful? Absolutely. So like to the caregivers, right. And the support system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted a checklist So here are the things that I need to do. That's very much how I am. I'm type A, oldest child, all the things. And that doesn't exist. So for me, giving that gift to my clients of grace, 
when I hear someone tell me like, well, I'm not grieving right, or I just want to make sure I'm doing it right. I walked into grief share with that same mindset. Like, I feel like I should be crying more. I should be crying less, or I should not be eating. Um, Normalizing that this person that has passed is unique to them in their unique relationship with them. So my mother-in-law and I did not grieve Aaron in the same way. She was his mother. I was his wife. And making space for that, I think, is the best gift that you can give someone who's grieving. Don't put your timeline of what you think they should be doing onto them. They have enough to deal with. They have enough weight from the grief that they don't need our expectations on top of them. On top of that, I think being creative in how you step in and help. Everyone immediately thinks of meals, which is fantastic. And that's really, really important. But when you have a freezer full of lasagna and it's you and a toddler eating, you can't eat that much. (laughs) So things like, hey, I'm going to come over at 9 a.m. and grab your laundry. Just put it out in a basket on your front porch. I'll grab it. When it's done, I'll send you a text. If you want, give me the code to your garage so I can put it in there so it doesn't get rained on or get leaves in it or whatever. That was amazing, not having Mm -hmm. to worry about folding laundry or when that was going to get clean. And oh, shoot, uh, there's wet clothes in the wash for three days. So thinking outside the box, people need help cleaning. And it's not just when they're in the crisis of cancer or a terminal illness or ICU injuries sort of thing. It's also in the grief. Grief isn't just emotional. It doesn't just show up as I'm just really sad. It's also physical. There are times where you physically have to force yourself to get out of bed. And I was blessed to have a toddler. So you really don't have a choice. (laughs) He needs breakfast. He needs help getting dressed, all the things. And if it's too quiet, it's dangerous. So I had something that I had to get out of bed for. A lot of the women that I work with, they're older, they're empty nesters. It's just them trying to get out of bed. I actually had a friend who noticed this. She noticed like, gosh, I get to talk to my husband every morning. And he tells me I'm beautiful, have a great day or what's coming. And Jenny doesn't get that. Now, my husband used to serenade me with ridiculous songs every morning in like 80s rock ballad tunes. So I really, really missed having that connection in the morning. So she would send me texts like, Hey, your butt looks great. And you're going to do awesome. (laughs) You know, Um, those little creative ways meant so much. And I think too, what I would say is it's not always how big can you serve? Sometimes those texts in the morning that just say, Hey, I hope you have a really great day. And I'm thinking about you. Or if you know that that person used to call their husband or their wife or their parent or child on the way home from Mm. work, call them on their way home from work, because that's a routine. That's a gap. That's a hole that's missing for them. And you could have the opportunity to fill it. It doesn't feel big. It doesn't feel sparkly and spectacular. You're not fixing it, but you're helping to hold them up until they can stand on their own again. Jenny, talk about your faith journey. How, how did you, how did you walk that from diagnosis to Aaron's passing to even today? 
Yeah, it was tricky. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day that I had to fight really hard for who I knew God to be. There were a lot of times where I felt like God was like this cruel jokester, if you will. Mm. I would pray, you know, Lord, I pray that Aaron would never hear that he has cancer again. Mm. And two weeks later, we would find out he has a recurrence. Or Lord, I, I really pray that this chemo would work. Two days later, we find that it's not working. You know, it just felt like not only was the answer no, but it was like, oh, that's a good idea, Jenny. I think I'll, I think I'll make that happen, which is not who God is. The Bible tells us that our God is love. And I had to really, really hang on to that because there were times where I would slip into that darkness of how is it loving for my 28-year-old husband who was told he could never have kids to find out that he has cancer when we just had a kid against all odds. How is that fair? How is that loving? And to recognize that there are things God's doing in that that we could never see from the start. And my husband had a very, very strong faith. Um, he actually came to know Jesus personally for himself through his cancer journey as a kid, <laughs> as he watched all of these kids that he shared rooms with pass away from the same disease he had, his question wasn't, Lord, why me? Why do I have this disease? Why do I have to go through these surgeries and this chemo? His question was, Lord, why me? Why do I keep surviving? Why do you have me live? Why am I now disease free? What are you going to do? And it was such a shift in perspective for me as we were going through this, that he was such a great leader to shift that focus from me to not, gosh, this is so hard. I wish we didn't have to go through this to, wow, we would have never met this person we're meeting in chemo in the grocery store. And now we can share hope and faith and Jesus and joy. And it sounds crazy that you can experience joy in a chemo suite, but you can. You meet people in their darkest moment, in their scariest time. And when you come, even with a smile, you're bearing the image of God to them. And when we went through cancer, um, I kept a blog initially to for our family who was out of state to keep up with Ben. But once he was once Aaron was diagnosed with cancer, it shifted to his cancer journey. And after at the end of every post, I would put prayer and praise because we were committed that no matter how many things we asked people to pray specifically for, we were also going to find things to praise God for. So, you know, one day we had chemo and we were supposed to get scans. A two-hour day turned into an eight-hour day. And our praise was everything was in the same building. We didn't have to go and fight traffic, go to separate buildings. It was a little thing, but that's what we chose to do. And I did the same in widowhood, recognizing like, yeah, I have been a stay-at-home mom this whole time. <laughs> How am I going to provide for us? How am I going to make this happen? But my son and I looked to see where can we be generous and give back? in other people's time of need with what we have. We may not have much financially to make donations or things like that, but 
I was still a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, I can babysit your kid while you have to take your mom to the hospital. Absolutely. We can foster this kid for three months because we have an extra bedroom in our house. And, you know, you can go and work and make sure that you get caught up on your rent and get to a place where you can care for your kids. And we'll watch your daughter for a while. I mean, just crazy things um, to allow God to use us in our pain. And I love, there's a verse in Proverbs that talks about um, that God will fill us so that we can pour out onto others. And then there's another verse that talks about being the comfort, sharing God's comfort that you have received to comfort others. And so my son got to walk alongside and see how we pour into other people. And it doesn't mean that you have to have a lot. It's those small details, those small little things where you can step in. But if I'm honest, there are still times where I have to go back to who I know God is rather than who I feel he is. I'm a very emotional person, so that can be tricky, but I know that God is good. I know that he is loving. I know that everything works to my good. And that doesn't always look like comfort and happiness and my beautiful scrapbook of the way I have things planned out for my life. But sometimes that looks like going through really hard stuff to, you know, play on your podcast title, going through the hard stuff to be used in it when you come out the other side for other people who are there. Oh, that's so good, Jenny. I have a friend who has a, an adult daughter who's in her mid twenties and her, her cancer journey looks like it's taken a turn for the worse. And she's just trying to figure out like where, where the, where the anchors are. And she said something fascinating to me the other week. She said, I, I I've moved from praying for healing to praying for mercy, just that, that God would be merciful to our family and that God would be merciful to my daughter and that God would be merciful to her her husband uh, in her her year old marriage. What what do you say to people who are just getting blow after blow of bad news and are really close to the edge of despair? I feel you. <laughs> That's what I would say. I feel you. I love your friend's phrase of praying for mercy, and I really leaned on the fact that God says that the Holy Spirit groans for us. When there were things that I didn't even know how to voice it, I could barely come to the Lord in prayer. And all I could say was Jesus, just Jesus, you know, to know that that was being translated. Practically speaking, I would say, make sure that you have someone you can cry with, make sure that you have someone that you can really be open and say, I'm having a hard time in my faith. I'm having a hard time having hope that we are going to get through this, that we can come out on the other side and not be completely damaged. I'm I'm just really struggling. Find someone who doesn't try to fix you in that moment, but will instead do what Job's friends did at the beginning and just sit with you. Just be with you and allow you to be broken and hurt because no matter what that pain is, no matter what the hard stuff is, it's 
it's hard. It's painful. It stretches us. I just read a devotion about how God doesn't always do things to confirm our faith, but he also acts in ways that stretch our faith. And stretching, pruning, they never feel good. <laughs> they, they always have some discomfort, some, okay, how far can I stretch? How far can I go before I just completely snap? And I would just really encourage that community is so important. It's so, so important. And if you don't have that, there are tons of resources like New Day that can help you get connected. There are people in your church. I thought it was incredible. Um, my husband and I also experienced a miscarriage before we had my son. And until I shared that I was going through this grieving process of a miscarriage, I didn't know a single person in my church who had experienced that. Once I was willing to be vulnerable about my pain and start to share it with my close circle, all of a sudden, everyone started coming out of the woodwork. And I realized there are a lot of other people who are holding pain really close and on their own when we could all be bearing one another's burdens together and making it a little bit lighter. Sure, sure. I was in a situation yesterday. I, I do some on-site wellness consulting with businesses, and there was a particular employee who was, who was just, just stuck with some personal issues that he needed to clear if he was going to thrive professionally, but he hadn't been candid about what some of those were. And when he finally opened up to his bosses, they said, we, we want to help. Like, we'll, we'll give emotional resources or professional resources or financial resources to get you over this hurdle. And he, he just got, he got overwhelmed. I think that there was a part of maybe his backstory or culture story that said, like, if he asked for help, that's a failure. And for us to be able to say, there are three hard words, but there are three really useful words that move us towards healing and maturity. And those are, those are, I need, I need help. The Lord brought me to a place where I was completely emptied of myself. I had no strength to continue to lean on my own self that I had no other choice, but to lean on him and those that he put around me. Um, yeah, I think that's, it, it takes courage. And that's what I tell my families when I work with them with new day and through my grief consulting is it takes so much courage to take that first step to say, something's not right. I need help. I don't know how to do this. Can you walk alongside me? Uh, and a lot of times, especially when we talk financially with our families at New Day, they'll say like, oh, no, no, I'm sure there's someone else who needs help more than me. Right. And that might be so. You might not have a spouse with cancer. You may not be grieving the death of a parent. You may not have a child with a severe illness, but you might struggle with depression. You might have lost your job. You may have not gotten that scholarship that would allow you to go to the college that you wanted to pursue your dream job. Those are all losses. Those are all hard things that you need help processing. You need help getting to the other side of that towards healing in a healthy way. That's so good. Jenny, thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, can you tell people how they can find out more about the grief consulting and New Day? Absolutely. So New Day, you can go to foundationforfamilies.org. Okay. And to find out more about my New Normal Grief Consulting, you go to newnormalgriefconsulting.com. 
Great. Jenny, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Steve. You've been listening to Hope Through Hard Stuff. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.